what I would suggest is a tool called the three-second rule, and this works 100% of the time. You just need to use it. And it's, look, it's breaking the cycle of that habit. Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is Life Hacks. The COVID lockdown sucks. And so we wanted to talk about some tips and tricks in working against the loneliness, the drudgery, and the sheer, not just boredom, but stress of being locked away. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined again by Chantal. Thank you very much for coming and joining us again, Chantal. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Excellent. You may remember, listeners, um, that we spoke to Chantal about addiction last time she was in, and she works with people overcoming addiction and their families and has some good insights into the kind of stresses that we're talking about today. So in Australia, the Delta variant of the COVID virus has Sydney in lockdown and will be for some time. Many other places in Australia are going to lockdown. So most of us are feeling pretty depressed. It's kind of, I have to say, it kind of feels a bit sad when we're looking at places like India and, and Papua New Guinea and places where they're suffering greatly from the Delta variant. And we're in nice, safe, cosy houses and we're, we're kind of thinking, well, we're being a bit ungrateful about lockdown. Is it okay to feel sad? Definitely. Uh, we're human beings. We are made for connection we are not made for isolation and there's so much stuff that we can explain why this is the case i'm just going to give you two two reasons though that's come out in recent neuroscience one is they've found a part of the brain that shows where our human rights being respected lives and this is about freedom of expression freedom of creativity and freedom of movement and whenever this is not being respected there is psychological distress there is psychological harm so what we're so, so you're saying that when people get locked down, there's actually a part of our brain chemistry that that comes against that, the neurological, sorry, uh, stuff that reacts against this, that, that we feel like, oh, we're trapped. Yes, yeah, our brain is hurting. So right. this is very, very valid. And then there was recent research as well on people who were in lockdown and were felt the social isolation, and it showed that there was a 30%, 30% of those people had reported changes in their cognition, memory, and problems with information processing. So if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, gosh, I, I feel like my, my mind's coming apart, then it's actually literally happening, not in the sense of a disastrous collapse of things, but there, there is a deterioration. Yeah, it, it's hurting a bit. It's, it's not falling apart, but it's hurting a bit. So we're not going to hmm. be operating at a peak and we're not going to be feeling great either. So hmm. this is happening. This is how we are wired. And to counter this, we have to be really intentional and purposeful to understand our bodies and do things to counter this, basically. Yeah, because we're not running at the full uh, capacity that we were running when everything was normal and everything around us is good and we had all the connections that we had before. All right, so there's big things and small things. Now, we, there's a couple of big things that people deal with, like the lockdowns. Um, I have to say that my own, my own family, we were looking forward very much to a wedding and uh, it looks like that's in the middle of lockdown. And so, you know, the, even if it goes ahead, we'll be, it'll be a very small wedding and, that you know, that hurts. But there are small things too. I mean, I, not being able to go to the cafe, you know, just to get a coffee, that sucks. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. So let's talk about, understanding that problem first and then once we've talked about understanding we can talk about what to do about it so how, how do we come to understand ourselves and the effect these things have on us and what help will that be 
one thing that I believe is really, really helpful is understanding how your body works. So not being able to go to the coffee shop and me feeling sad or, or frustrated or, or upset with that. I'm As humans, I'm going to do a tiny bit of psyched here, we have autonomic nervous systems and that branches into two parts. One is called your sympathetic, the other is called your parasympathetic. The sympathetic is where we're feeling frustrated, not being able to go to that coffee shop. And it's, it is a, um, a fight or flight response. It's where we feel stressed. It's where we feel fear. We feel unsafe. Uh, and this is very normal to be switched on while we're in lockdown because we're, we're, not in our, we're not in social engagement. We're not connecting with others. And we are, as I said earlier, we're mammals. We are wired for connection. And so when you said the fight or flight thing, does that mean that like when someone says you can't go to the coffee shop and I go, that's a fairly normal response. It's a very normal response. That explains a lot of stuff that's been going on (laughs) on social media. (laughs) There's a lot of anger coming out in people's responses and I see two people who I know like each other very much and they're coming at each other hard about some stupid issue. It's just the anger, the kind of fight or flight stuff going on. Yes, it's our survival response. That, that's our animal nature coming out. It's very normal. And we understand that. We also don't um, vilify others and we don't vilify ourselves when we see that. We understand ourselves. We have compassion for ourselves. Right. We go, okay, this is my animal body reacting in this way. Now what can I do to calm it down and put it into my parasympathetic nervous system where it's my, you know, my human wise self that can actually right. use it rather than my animal self. It's being aware of where, where it's going and, and then being able to direct it. All right, well, that, that comes to being intentional. So if we're going to be intentional about responding to this, if we know this is an issue, then we need to actually plan for it, don't we? Yes, yes. So, so what, what kind of plans can we make? Uh, in, with that, in terms of our plans, we can look at what we do on the daily, so how we do we structure our day, uh, and we can put in that day some hacks, I guess, to switch on that parasympathetic nervous system on purpose to calm your body down. Then we can also look at the routine and what we do, and then we can also look at connection. We can go deeper into each one of those. Right. So when you said hacks to sort of get the parasympathetic going, let's go into a couple of those. Can you okay. give us two or three of those? Of course I can. One of my favourite hacks to get you into calm, parasympathetic, where you feel relaxed and you don't want to bite the head off to your husband or your wife or your kids. <laughs> or- <laughs> where whatever they do, you just feel relaxed. Things aren't as irritating or aggravating. Uh, This is called diaphragmatic breathing. This is a technique that has shown if you do this consistently every day for 15 minutes, you can't get into snappy head. You will always be relaxed. And this is really, That's a big promise, Shondell. I've had so many clients and friends that have tried this and they fall asleep right towards the end of it and they wake up a few hours later going, what the heck just happened? That's how calming this is. Okay. Well, hit us with it. Okay, diaphragmatic breathing. If you've never done this before, the best way to start is actually lying flat on your back, on on the ground or on your bed. You put a hand on your chest and you put the other hand on your stomach. And the goal here is you don't want your chest to move. You actually want your your belly to go up and down. So you imagine that there's a balloon inside your core and you're expanding the balloon. So your tummy expands, your spine pushes out of the back. It's just inflating the area around your diaphragm. Uh, what I suggest everyone does, this is what I do, is I put a timer on my phone, you put it on 15 minutes and I watch the seconds count down that helps me keep track of the time. And imagine it's like a triangular shape of breathing. You're breathing in for five seconds, you're then holding your breath for five seconds and you're then breathing out for five seconds. So it's in for five, hold for five, out for five. 
And as right. you breathe in, you want your tummy to expand. You're then just holding your breath for five seconds and then you're exhaling for five seconds. And I, I just watch the, the five seconds go down on the timer on my phone as I go through until it reaches a zero. And you just do that for 15 minutes? For 15 minutes. You can do this at night. You can do this in the morning. That sounds a little too easy. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm guessing they can't sell it. That's why they don't tell us. About it. <laughs> All right. So that, that sounds pretty basic. What about um, another tip? Oh, this is a this is a fun one. This is fake yawning. Fake yawning. <laughs> so we're not going to you know waste time to get the science behind it. I'll just tell you how to actually do it. Fake yawn. Oh, and just keep doing it. Do around ten in a row, and notice how your body feels. So for anyone listening right now, we can do three fake yawns in a row. Can I do it with me, Peter? Okay. Let's go. Oh. Oh. I think I'm a bit tired, so I'm really getting into this. <laughs> oh. How's your body feel, Peter? Actually, I feel like going to bed. <laughs> I'm a bit. It does. Can I ask you a question at this point? We had a show some time ago, about a year ago now, on laughter. And scientists had proved that even faking laughter can actually affect you. And so they, they had these fake laughter clinics, which I think, why not just put on some comedy and actually laugh? But they were saying that even faking laughing fools your body into reacting chemically. Is that true? Yes. And the same with fake smiling. Really? Smile, because it's switching on the neuropathways that usually do that. So the same reaction will happen. So there you go. There yeah. you go. All right, we've got two down. Have we got time for one more? Of course. Oh, this is a this is an interesting one. This is called virgins, not virgins. <laughs> virgins. <laughs> yeah. And this was uh, uh, found by accident by an ophthalmologist, an eye doctor. Right. And I won't tell the backstory for the timeliness, but the way that you do virgins is uh, put your finger. So just stick your finger up and look at your finger. So you're just yep. staring at your finger. And stare at your finger for about four seconds. So one, two, three, four. Now I'm going to look at directly what's behind my finger. And for me, is a wall that's probably about a meter away. Yep. And I'm going to stare at that spot for about four seconds. One, mm -hmm. two, three, four. That's a very quick four seconds. And I'm going to go back to my finger again. One, two, three, four. So it's just altering your focus yes. as you go through. Yeah, so your eyeball's adjusting from close to far, but the same position. So it's the same spot, but it's going close to far. Right. The little hack to switch on your parasympathetic nervous too. But do that for a minimum of five minutes. You can do five to five minutes. minutes. That's something my optometrist told me to do a long time ago when I started using computers. I have glasses now because I didn't listen to him. <laughs> but funny, it was an I listened. And then, and then you found to, to give the explanation because they didn't do that to calm you down. That was just an eye test. But the ophthalmologist noticed that the um, patient's heart rate started to drop a lot while they were doing the eye test. And that's how right. Yeah. That's really good. I'll have to try it. All right. So in terms of those, they're just simple physical things we can do to calm ourselves down in certain situations. And you're, you've promised us that if we do the breathing one, we can't get into angry face really quickly. So I'm going to hold you to that. But what about connection? I mean, we talked about connection there. We talked about um, uh, the, the we're communal animals. We enjoy each other's company, even if we're introverts. Some of us are in houses and it gets a little hard to, to live with the people we're with if you're there all the time. And others of us are by ourselves and we don't have anyone to mix with. 
Yes, yes. So for those that uh, have family, have loved ones with them, they're not on their own. Uh, if we're using the parasympathetic hacks, that's going to help us uh, be able to tolerate each other. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yes. Make the best of each other's company, sure, perhaps. <laughs> So that's a start. We're in our parasympathetic, we're calm. Uh, and then what really helps is physical touch. So if you can increase cuddles, if you can increase affection, that's really, really helpful. Even something as simple as a fist bump or, you know, a high five or something could be good. Anything, any form of physical touch. So even hand-holding, fist pumps, hugs, cuddles, anything. So that's for those that have others around them. Now, for those who are at home by themselves, but not just that, also for those with their families to do this as well because it's also important to connect externally. But at the moment we can only do this virtually. So it's using what is within our means. So being really intentional with scheduling virtual activities. And it doesn't need to be, you know, the meetings that we're all used to doing online now. It can be fun stuff. So we can look at let's do games night. I did this with my siblings a few weeks ago. Then it was via Zoom we all we did a games night. Um, I, was, I was joking with some friends, Chantal, about the fact that Zoom has kept me in the human interaction that I don't enjoy, that is meetings, but it's cut out the interaction that I do enjoy, which is games and fun and mucking around and just having. And so I started scheduling drink dates. So I would have a coffee with a mate of 11 o'clock um, on a particular day. Like We'd just make a date and we'd hang out and just drink coffee together and talk and then nick off after half an hour. Yes, I do that too. They're coffee and tea Zoom dates. There you go. But probably my, my title wasn't as good as yours, but <laughs> drink dates carries another connotation, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, so the, the virtual connections are not just about chatting to people. probably helps us a little bit to think outside the box a little bit, not just think about ourselves because if we're locked in a house, we're constantly focusing on our own situation, whereas uh, wouldn't it help us if we were focused outside ourselves, perhaps on some other cause or some some other someone else's worries or something yeah definitely so engaging in acts of service in whichever way you, you could engage in active service the smallest would be connection for another person as well because we're all in this together and we all do need to connect so if it's something that you wouldn't usually bring you that much joy but you know it brings another person a lot of joy perhaps getting involved in that so yeah it's thinking what brings this other person joy I have to say, we had a dear friend um, say, I can't do anything for you. It's really frustrating. I know it's it's a rotten time. Can I buy you guys dinner and then use Log to send us dinner? And it was the biggest deal because the kids got takeaway and it was amazing and everyone was, and we're really appreciative and they got a kick out of it because the kids were appreciative. And it, it was a big deal. And it was just that little bit of connection, you know. I mean, we could have got Log ourselves, but it was just a really good thing to do for someone else. Yes, I used to do that with a friend when we would be on other sides of the world and just randomly send like Uber Eats or delivery. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Good fun. So uh, the other thing is that because I have Zoom meetings regularly and because um, that's my only interaction while I'm working from home. There's a temptation. I think they used to, I used to read Dilbert comics. I don't know if you ever saw Dilbert comics, but there was a temptation um, he talks about in the comic book of if you're on video chat only, you feel like you only need to get dressed and comb your hair from the waist up, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and the rest of it's, but in fact, I've had some of my students actually record like a 10 minutes of themselves sitting there on the thing and loop it so that they 
they think they're getting away with it, but they are just looping themselves on the cam to not even uh, make an effort. There is a temptation to not make an effort. However, I've found when I get up, have a shower, get myself all dressed up for work as if I'm, you know, as if I'm going, it, yeah, it, it makes a difference to my attitude in terms of my work. Definitely. I love that you brought that up. It, it takes a bit of effort, but if we don't, we're going to shut down. We're going to hibernation. You know, what messages are you telling your body? It's going to get to winter and I'm going to, you know, cave in and not speak to anyone for the next, you know, three months. It's, yep. we have to do, this comes back to in, intentionality and being purposeful and saying, act as if. Yeah. As if I'm actually going into a meeting, even though I'm at home or I might be doing this from a desk in my bedroom even. It's do whatever we can to replicate everyday life. How, how much of this is just being aware constantly of how things are affecting us? So, for example, I know that when I get a haircut, I feel better. And even though it's a dodgy haircut because I've got my own clippers in my own house and I'm <laughs> losing my hair, it makes me feel better, done. I'm doing lots of that. Or when I have cheese, I feel awesome. Disproportionately for cheese, it shouldn't be that awesome, but I feel awesome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the whole being aware of myself, I mean, I used to think that shouldn't feel that good, but actually uh, there's a a plus to knowing what buttons to press to make me slightly happier. And if it's an easy one, go for it. Yes, 100%. And that's in your self-care. And you know what does light you up and what keeps you in a flow. So it's having that attitude of gentleness with yourself at the same time. And going, I'm going to do what does give me joy but keeps me healthy at the same time. Cool. Not on the cheese. You know why you like <laughs> <laughs> Well, the cheese is, I mean, now we're getting into science again, but they have demonstrated that there's a small amount of uh, dopamine release when you have cheese. A very small amount. So the same happy drug that happens um, in in terms of the sexual releases or in terms of, you know, hard drugs or something like that, you get a tiny amount in cheese. So you're actually, you know, it's a drug habit. (laughs) Probably a good time to talk about. We've talked about all the positive ways that we can um, deal with uh, lockdown. I want to talk very briefly about a very minor uh, problem that I had uh, with caffeine because I drink coffees usually at work only when I think, gosh, I need a coffee. At home, I'm so bored. I'm, I caught myself drinking a lot more of it and caffeine itself became a problem, which causes all kinds of other problems. And I'm fighting back against that. But there is, of course, the danger of reverting to, because we get into habits if we're at home and no one's watching us and there's not a social regulation of uh, bad habits such as alcohol or other things. Definitely, definitely. We, we can revert because we're not, we're, we're vulnerable. No, we're not at our best and we're vulnerable. On the caffeine, uh, there's also another element to that as well where it can create more anxiety. So it puts us more into a state of fight or flight. So it's really counterproductive. And also in terms of habits, what we're seeing, the increase in, oh God, I don't even know where to get started, but if we're just going to stick with alcohol, just with drinking, um, it's skyrocketing. We're looking at people that are drinking to really unhealthy levels. Um, yeah, it, it's probably a bit more dangerous than some others, at least initially, because uh, you know if you're taking cocaine, you know <clears throat> if you're shooting up heroin. But with alcohol, it's a normal social habit, and so watching what you're drinking is a, is a much more you know it's easier to slip by you until it becomes a problem. 
Definitely, definitely. And on the other note of that, alcohol is a depressant. So it's actually going to aggravate the depression that you're feeling in lockdown. It doesn't take it away. Mm. It intensifies you briefly, but then it magnifies it when you wake up. That's right. Yeah. There's a, there's a kind of a, a way of saying, don't do this, don't do that, but it doesn't help us when we're looking for some kind of help. Because often people who choose these things, when I was drinking coffee, I wasn't going, I really need coffee. I was saying, I'm so bored, I will, anything will do, anything. <laughs> so replacing it with better habits, replacing it with stronger things or good things, snacks, whatever, or ex- exercise or something that's good um, might be a way through it. Do you have any advice for people who find themselves perhaps slipping into a bad habit or they might be concerned about it? Yeah, definitely, and it depends on the um, strength of that habit and how long they've been going for with how strongly you need to counter that. So for somebody that finds that they've tried to actually stop and they keep falling back into it, what I would suggest is a tool called the three-second rule, and this works 100% of the time. You just need to use it, and it's look, it's breaking the cycle of that habit and so the very first second, number one, is stop. You stop the thought. So if the thought is, oh, I wouldn't mind a beer right now, I wouldn't mind a glass of wine, or I wouldn't mind a cup of coffee, whatever the thing is coming up, or if someone's gambling and they're going, oh, I wonder, you know, what, what race to bet on, whatever it might be, as soon as you see the thought, because it starts with that thought, you immediately stop the thought. So stop in the very first second. But then in the second second, you have to distract yourself. This is a non-negotiable. If you don't distract yourself, that thought will keep bombarding you until you end up. So you've got to have something ready to go, really. You have to distract. And one of the most powerful forms of distraction is connection. So call a friend, call someone, just have a chat, go for a walk, get outside. You need, you need some form of physical distraction, either a conversation with another human being, or you get up and stretch your legs and go for a walk, leave your phone at home, distraction. And then the third second, this is actually the most important for neurological reasons with rewiring your brain. Uh, it can also feel the most uncomfortable and it can feel like you're lying to yourself. And I won't get into the science of why right now. And this is called affirm this is where you affirm yourself you give yourself a pat on the back you say i'm doing awesome i did great so i'm stopping the thought i'm distracting myself i'm giving myself a pat on the back right three seconds it works three seconds yeah in three seconds wow so we've got heaps of life hacks today um if someone's saying hey i'd like some more of this sort of thing by the way i've been watching chantelle on linkedin and do you do facebook as well I do Facebook. Okay. I've been watching on LinkedIn throw out some of these life hacks, uh, which is why I reached out to her again. But uh, you can catch her there on LinkedIn, and we'll put the link in our show notes. But also you can reach out to you um, if there's someone who wants to. You better spruik your services. Oh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, You can re- which the link will be there. Uh, and you can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram. I think Facebook, it's Chantal Marie Recovery. Um, Instagram, it's Chantal Addiction Specialist, but they're hard to spell. So just look them up in the bio and reach sure. out. and I can give you a call. Fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on. It's a difficult subject, but you make it fun to, to talk about and also lots of positive tips on how to go from here. So that's it for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing with us or you've got better tips, then put, hit us up. Put us Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Discord or Twitter and uh, write us a review on iTunes. Tell us, tell your friends. This is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast and we think that's an idea worth getting behind. That's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. Mm-hmm.